What's going on everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Dan Lynch's Experience. My name is Dan. It's good to be back. Unfortunately, there wasn't an episode last week. That's because I was off camping. Folks, when I talk about mental health, I talk about making sure you're eating the right foods, exercising, sleeping, taking care of yourself. But I don't mention enough, or I seldom mention the importance of taking time out for yourself. Going on a vacation, this was great. It was three days with three friends out by a river. It was incredible. It was unbelievably hot. Uh, so we were just sticking in the river, man. I believe we we started dipping in the river at like 9 in the morning and sometimes even up to like 9.30 to like 10 p.m. at night. Just four, five, six times throughout the day. Just go jump in and come out. We jump in and come out. Super relaxing, super adventurous, amazing. We were away from our phones. Even better, our phones didn't have service. Dude, I don't know what it is with people, but sometimes they're like, oh man, what's wrong with this generation? They're too, like, you know, glued to their phones. I was like, I don't know who you're talking about, man, because you're not talking about me. And you're not talking about my friends either. So it was amazing. We went out there. We didn't even uh, we didn't even check the time just for the fun of it. We we're like, when we get hungry, we'll eat. If we're not hungry, we won't eat. There's no concept of time here, right? Because we were trying to do the exact opposite of, you know, being at home and having to constantly be up with schedule and make sure everything's right and you don't miss appointments and all that stuff. Anyways, that's where I was. Oh, loving the, the, the camping time was brilliant. I would highly, highly recommend it, folks, if you can. If not, once a month. And even that, when I say vacation, if you're saying, Daniel, I have a job, I get it. But there's no reason why you can't take out one day a month, minimum one day a month, preferably at least once bi-weekly, once every two weeks, at least a full day. Go somewhere. 9 in the morning, 9.30 in the morning till 6, 7 p.m. Whatever, just do a day trip, do something that, that just gets you out of your regular routine. And I think it's going to re-energize you and it's going to put you in a better state of mind to get back to your regular things. Folks, a lot of stuff happened. I don't even know where to begin. There's a lot of exciting stuff. Let's talk about sports a little bit. A couple weeks ago, for the people who are MMA fans, you know that Anderson Silva had a bout in boxing with a gentleman whose name, I believe, is Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., if I'm not mistaken. If you guys saw the fight, you can see it on um, on YouTube. I, I actually found the full fight on YouTube. It's pretty interesting. First, I want to say round or two. Anderson's pretty cautious. Round three, he opens up. He's, he's himself. He's leaning back against the corner. Arms down. He's waving him over. Anderson of old. It was brilliant to see. Uh, recently, Vasily Lomachenko, a boxer who I highly, highly recommend you to check out. If you are not watching boxing, stop this podcast right now. Come back to it. But stop. Go to YouTube. Type in Vasily Lomachenko. Go check out all the highlights. Brilliant. You want to talk about footwork in boxing? I mean, you're talking about Vasily Lomachenko. Incredible. So he had a fight against, I believe, a uh, gentleman from Japan. And this gentleman had the reach advantage and he had the height advantage. And Lomachenko just cut in, came inside, hit him, and went out like it was nothing. The way this man closes the gap, closes distance, using head movement and his footwork and creating angles, second to freaking none. Unbelievable. I would highly recommend it. So that was dope. That was super sick. Folks, I don't know if you folks watch football. By football, I mean soccer. The European Championship is going on right now as well as Copa America. I don't know if you've been... Um, looking at that or following that along. Unfortunately, I went camping and I missed like the, the best games of the tournament. Swiss knocking out France in penalties. Freaking, uh, what else was the Czech Republic knocking out Netherlands. England knocking out Germany. I mean, the crazy game between Spain and Croatia ending 5-3, if I'm not mistaken. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Oh my goodness. It was, it's been fun, man. It's been a bunch of fun, fun games with respect to the Euros. I thought, man, France was, was the number one. And I was like, all right, France don't win, it's Belgium. Both of them were out. At the point where I'm recording this, it is Italy versus Spain, and it will be England versus Denmark in the semifinals. So we'll see what happens, man. Italy's been on fire, which is crazy. So lots of stuff going on in sports. Um, there are two other things that I've also heard of that I want to bring up with you folks regarding the Olympics. So I saw a headline, and there's two things. So one was there's a, 
there was a person, there was a man, there was a biological man who competed in men's Olympic weightlifting in 2013. This man goes through a transition and now identifies as a female. And in 2021, take it to be the 2020 Olympics, but it got pushed back because of COVID. So like this one that's coming up, I believe the Olympics start July 20th, right? 20th, 21st, or 22nd by the latest. So that's coming up for you. But, but this gentleman, who is now a woman, she is the first ever transgender athlete to compete in the Olympics, if I'm not mistaken, or who has qualified to compete in the Olympics, and she's originally from New Zealand. This sparked a bit of a controversy. In one side, we want to be as open as possible, right? We, we want to open up all the doors. We want to say, hey, if you're trans, you know, trans people suffer, They're, the rates of becoming depressed, the rates of becoming anxious, developing disorders, being harassed, and unfortunately killing themselves are much higher than the general population. One argument of that is it's societal. It's because we are not open enough, we are not accepting and loving enough, which pushes them to that end. The other side of the argument is it's, it's biological. And there's actually something in the DSM-5 known as gender dysmorphia. And essentially it's this idea where this person is in a, in a constant internal conflict where you don't know who you are and who you identify as. And that leads to lots of distress and anxiety and, and just being in a really bad place. So regardless, this individual is being accepted and they're going to compete in the Olympics. One side is saying, hey, this is amazing. This is great. We want people to compete. And, and even though this person was a man and now a woman, you know, welcome. You're just another woman right now. The other side of it is going, wait a minute. Is this fair to all the other women involved? Because if your point of view is going, well, Daniel, yes, this person's a woman now. She can identify as whatever she wants to identify as. If that's the case, why don't we have women's weightlifting and men's weightlifting? Why don't we just have weightlifting? If that's the case, why do we have men's basketball and women's basketball? Why doesn't John Jones fight Amanda Nunes? Why doesn't Francis Ngannou fight? Right? There's, there's a reason why men and women are split up. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I believe there's something in the Olympics, and please Google this for yourself, that looks at the testosterone levels. Excuse me. And it says that if the testosterone levels of this woman are under, there should be like in this limit, in this category, then she's good, then she's good to compete. If her testosterone levels are way over any other woman, then they'll be like, hey, all right, we apologize, you cannot compete. No, not even apologize, you, you can't compete literally because of your testosterone and the benefits that it has on your body. So at first class, well, damn, that's great. Boom, look at that. Gender equality, baby. You just put a limit for the testosterone and as long as they're in that gap and, and this woman has the testosterone levels of other women, we're good to go. Here's why that's overly simplified. And I actually heard this by a, oh, what, was she a biologist? She, she was someone on the news and she was talking about, well, testosterone is just one aspect of it. But how do you measure bone density? How do you measure the size of the muscles? How do you measure uh, these, these other things that testosterone is just one factor involved in? And this, this lady, she's, it, it's on YouTube. You can type it in. Just type in um, Olympic trans athlete 2021. Uh, controversy and a bunch of different news things and media outlets were covering it, it'll come up. But basically this individual was like, hey folks, testosterone isn't the only thing. Or let's say, if you have someone transitioning, what if you were a man for 30 years and now you're a woman? Just because you don't have any testosterone in your body right now, well, what about that 30 years of buildup? Where you built extra muscle, where you, where you had all that testosterone and it helped you uh, enlarge your body and, and gain more muscles than a woman might have. What about your, what about, the contribution that that testosterone did over the 30 years with respect to your bone density, strengthening your bones because of all the weightlifting, 
So now, even though you don't have a crazy amount of testosterone, let's say, going into this competition, don't you think the consequences are still impacting you? And that essentially, my friends, that, that's the argument there. And I, I don't know. I, but personally, I, I'd be surprised if they didn't. If they're like, yep, yeah, no, it's all good. None of that from being a man just carried over. It all just stopped. So I, I, don't, I don't know what the answer is there. One thing that I could think of is, well, what if you made like a separate category? And you said, all right, well, all men who became women, you can only compete with other men who've become women. But then you'll say, well, damn, that's a very small amount, right? It's not even worth going all through all that trouble. If there's only, let's say, like 10 transgender people who qualify to the Olympics. So in that case, the only other thing I could give is like giving a consent form to all the women being like, hey, this person used to be a man. This is relevant information because their body has a biological, like you want to talk about male privilege, society let's put that to the side biologically absolutely men have an unfair advantage in the sake of if you take a 13 year old boy and a 13 year old girl and they both start working out the guy's gonna pick up muscle faster and it's it's got nothing to do with him being harder working or him being uh a better work ethic no no no. personality traced to the side right let's say they're all accounted for we're accounting for age for demographic for lifestyle for personality traits if we were to just look at how easy it is for a man and a woman to increase their muscle mass men have a biological uh advantage it's an unfair advantage because you don't do anything to earn it you're just born with it right so the question there is would you just tell all the women be like hey we want you to know that this is a person who used to be a man. They transitioned over. Are you comfortable with competing with this person? And if the answer is great, yes. And if the answer is no, I don't know. I, I don't know what to do, right? For, in the sake of equality and, and wanting to include everyone, aren't we discriminating against, against other people? You know, what if there's a woman, and especially like weightlifting too, you know, that's what makes it tough. Like if it was chess, have at it. If it was checkers, have at it. It's literally just a show of strength. You know what I mean? So what if you're you're a biological woman and you've been training all your life and, and you're doing really well and your skills are amazing, but because it's just weightlifting, you get there, you're faced with this person and you can't win. You can't beat them because of their body, because of their muscle mass, because of their testosterone, because of their bone density. So that gets a little bit complicated. Another small piece of news regarding, to, regarding the Olympics, I believe there's a lady who's involved in track and field. I want to say sprints. And she was recently disqualified from or oh, no, no, not disqualified, but she, she faces a one-month suspension because they found THC in her system. THC is an element found in marijuana. So basically, they're like, hey, you were smoking weed, so we're going to give you a one-month suspension because it's a performance-enhancing drug. Here's my take on it. One, if you're an athlete, you've got to be extremely careful what you put into your body. It's not anyone else's responsibility to look out for you. If I'm going to be in a sanctioned bout and I go to a party, it's not the host's job to make sure I don't eat anything that I'm not supposed to eat. It's my job. I got to be extremely careful and I got to know the rules. If I don't know, that's bad on me. And that is very unprofessional on my behalf. Here's my second point. When they go marijuana is a performance enhancing drug, I go, really? Folks, marijuana is a depressant like alcohol, meaning it slows down your central nervous system. It slows down your brain functioning. It relaxes you more. It's not a stimulant. It's not caffeine. It's not nicotine. It's not uh, cocaine. It relaxes you. So I'm sitting there going, I don't know, man, like, I can't imagine someone getting like smoking marijuana, smoking weed, and getting better. You know what I mean? Like like a steroid or something. So that was that's the only thing that's a little weird to me. I get it. Listen, the rules are the rules. You gotta follow them. But really, like, could you imagine if someone just drank a couple of beers? You know what I mean? And they did the test. Like, sorry, man, you drank beers. It's a performance enhancing. Like, really? I thought it would diminish my performance. 
You know, like I don't think it's going to impact any of the other athletes. I think it's just going to impact my my own you know performance. So I thought weed was kind of in that same category. Shifting on to another topic, folks, drugs and alcohol. Well, what are your thoughts on those things? How often do you engage in, in a drug or do you engage in alcohol? My own take on it has been this. The more I understand something, the more comfortable I feel to take part in something. With the little research that I've done, I've, I understand to a degree what alcohol does. I understand to a degree what marijuana does. With that being said, I am very cautious and I don't know if scared is the right word, but, but very suspicious when we get into things like hallucinogens, like LSD or opiates, like, um, like what's the one called, like heroin, uh, methamphetamine, stimulants. So one thing that I notice with a lot of people is if they go to a party and if they haven't made their boundaries of what they want to do and what they won't do, it's really easy to get peer pressure into doing something that you don't want to do. But if you have those boundaries set up beforehand, you go, all right, man, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm not going to do. Everybody's got their own boundaries. Some people say, I'll never smoke. I'll never drink. Someone says, I'll drink, but I'll never smoke. Someone says, I'll, sm I'll smoke weed and I'll drink, but I'll never do anything more. Someone doesn't have any boundaries. That's for you to decide. I'm not here to tell you what you should or shouldn't do. I'm here to tell you, hey, there's consequences to every action, every inaction, and that you should have your own morals in check. Whatever you want to do, that's, that's up to you. But as long as you make the decision for yourself, I don't want you to get peer pressure into doing something. If you're curious, please, please look it up. Google it. YouTube it. If you you ever want to try something, hey, what do mushrooms do exactly to my brain? Like what, what, what is the effect of marijuana exactly? How long does it last? What are the long-term repercussions of using marijuana under the age of 25? Same thing with alcohol. So my take on it has always been, listen, I want to be as healthy as possible, right? And I would honestly say, honest to God, in the last six months, I've never eaten healthier. Uh, six months is a bit of a stretch. We'll say since, since May, May, June, July. In the last three months, I've never eaten healthy before in my life. Eaten more salads, more fruits, you know, lots of lots of water, almonds, fish, chicken breast, mixed vegetables, you name it, I'm eating it. I'm still eating my, my pleasure foods, the crackers and the chips and the ice creams, but very sporadically. So instead of just eating it whenever I go, all right, man, Saturdays from 12 p.m., until 8 p.m., I'm good. Let's go for it, man. Pleasure all the way. But then from Sunday to Friday, we're eating healthy again. I personally am not comfortable telling myself, hey, man, I'm going to live the healthy life and then start drinking lots of alcohol and smoking. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. That, that's not... There, there are more negatives than there are benefits. One way that we figure out why a person engages in a behavior is because they realize that the pros outweigh the cons. That's when they engage. And when they believe the cons outweigh the pros, that's when they disengage or they do not let themselves even engage in that behavior to begin with. Here's my take on alcohol. When I was younger, the majority of the time that I saw people using alcohol was there were guys my age who weren't confident who, who didn't have the skills or as the young people call it game to go talk to the girl that they were attracted to and they would use alcohol as a crutch to be able to do something that they themselves couldn't do. So immediately alcohol put a bad taste in my mouth both literally and metaphorically because in one sense I drank it I was like man first of all it can be terribly unhealthy like I mean you want to talk about a beer like versus a joint that's one thing but some of those hard liquor the tequilas the vodkas the gin Jesus they have high alcohol content my friends and it dehydrates you like freaking no other. It's crazy. My biology teacher once told me that one of the reasons that people's eyes go right after drinking a lot is that when you drink um, alcohol, 
and we'll do different ratios. So let's say let's say you drink two or three shots of tequila or something. It is very dehydrating in the sense that it, it has it contains a soluble, if I'm not mistaken, and it drags water away from the different parts of your body, different organs of your body, especially your eyes. And when water gets dragged away from your eyes, that's when your eyes become red. So essentially the way to balance off you not getting dehydrated is for every approximately, for every can of beer, it's about a glass of water. The same applies for every shot of a hard alcohol. So a shot of tequila, if you want to balance it and stay hydrated, you got to drink a glass of water, 250 milliliters. Think of it like that. But anyways, folks, yeah, as a young age, I kind of looked at it as a crush and, and I was like, man, this doesn't taste good. It's expensive. The liability that you do something stupid increases tremendously. And the, the impact that alcohol has on our system is it decreases our central nervous system, meaning that ability of you to access your fight and flight mode gets decreased, right? What if something happens? What, what if you need to run? What if you need to escape? What if you need to hide? That kind of diminishes. Secondly, you start thinking a little bit slower, you don't feel as sharp, you're not as, you know what I mean? Everything's kind of slowed down. And finally, when I saw people using that, to be completely honest with you, I thought it was pathetic. I thought the problem was, hey man, you gotta work on your game. You gotta work on talking to people, right? This is how people develop social anxiety disorder. It starts off with, no, I can't talk to my crush. No, I can't talk to my classmate. Then no, I can't leave the house, you know what I mean? So the idea here wasn't, hey man, like not to sound super arrogant, but there were a lot of people who were the loudest person in the room and they could laugh and they were energetic and they were active on a Saturday night. On a, and every other day they were quiet and calm and they weren't loud and they wouldn't talk to people. They were a shell of what they were on Saturday night to the point where I was thinking to myself, man, I like you more when you're drunk. If anything, I'm you when you're drunk seven days of the week without the negatives. I am loud and, and brash and energetic and active and outgoing and I love to talk to people, yet... I, I don't have the, the limitations that alcohol puts on me. That's not me bashing people who drink, but that's just me saying one of the reasons why I've never been a fan of alcohol was because I looked at it as people going, hey, I don't have X or I can't talk to this person, so let me use alcohol to, to, to fill that void so, so I can have a good time. Hey, man, let's go dancing. Uh, no, man, I can't drink. I, I, I mean, excuse me, I can't dance. I got to drink beforehand. Well, in my mind, I'm going, dude, you can dance one night because you're drinking. Why shouldn't you make the goal to be able to drink, to dance every night without drinking? Why do you have to rely on alcohol to do something? Well, being dependent on something, that's what I really don't like. And this is just me personally. I'm not saying you got to agree with me, but this is my perspective on it. I hate being dependent on something. That's why I don't drink coffee every day. I drink it every week and a half or two weeks. That's why I don't, I don't ever want to get something or I'm very hesitant to try medications because I hate being dependent on something. If I do something, I want to do it because I want to do it, not because I rely on something like a crutch to do it. So that, that's one big thing for alcohol. In regards to weed and marijuana, man, my thought of it was this. When I was younger, I used to drink a lot of pop. I used to drink a lot of Coke, Pepsi, you name it, man, the sugary drinks. And it was hard to, I'm not going to say quit because I've still been drinking, but to, to limit it, right? Now I'm drinking like once a week, once every two weeks. But back then I was drinking two, three, uh, let's say cans a day. I found that was hard. Now, if you're someone who smokes weed and you got discipline and you can self-regulate, man, I, I applaud you. Good for you. I'm worried that if I try it, I might like it. And I just, that's not the devil that I want to dance with. It has no possible health benefits. It only has pleasure. Now you're saying, Daniel, that might be a little bit extreme, not trying it because you might like it. But hey, that's my stance. You do whatever you want to do for you. My thing is this. If I could go back in time and never try pop, I would right? Cookies, chips, chocolates, pop, some things that they don't have any 
health benefits. Like if you cut them out, you wouldn't be like, oh my God, you're not getting your essential proteins or vitamins. You know what I mean? Like if someone just cut out vitamin C like that, you know, that'd be dangerous. But those, they really don't. So it's only from the pleasure end. Another thing, folks, that I like to think about is I really like being present. I really like being conscious in the moment. Like I, I value that a lot. And at parties, what I notice is when people get very drunk, you know, they, they get uncomfortably comfortable with strangers. Have you ever experienced that? You're at a party or something, people start pointing their own, hey, what's going on? Now, because they're drunk and you're drunk, it's fine. It's a, it's, it's a norm thing. But if you're both sober and someone does that to you, you just kind of look at them and you go, hey, man, what's, what's going on? What are you doing? What's your problem? You don't really think you're about to get mugged or something. And the thought of mine is, what if you're at a party? What if, what if there's an issue where someone needs your help? Right? What if, what if there's a fight going on? What if your buddy's in a fight? What if two other people are in a fight and you got to break it up? Don't you want to be of sober mind to go and, and stop it and to go help people out? What if there's a first aid scenario? What if there's a first aid scenario? I am certified in first aid. We have someone who's in critical condition. They are not breathing. I am the only one who knows first aid. And I go over there and I attempt to help them. Let's say I do a poor job and that person doesn't make it. I make a small mistake. I maybe, I, maybe I don't tilt their head back enough so when I'm giving them mouth to mouth, the air goes into their stomach as opposed to their lungs. Maybe I don't push deep enough on the chest compressions. Maybe there's a cut somewhere that I didn't notice at all. Do you see what I mean? That's on me now. So when I go to bed at night, I'm thinking, had I been 100%, could I have saved this person's life? A lot of you are going, Daniel, you're being extreme, you're using what-if examples. Folks, when you learn martial arts or when you learn first aid, the worst thing that can happen is you are in a position where you are the only one who can not only protect the other people but protect yourself. And you can't do it 100% because you're not mentally there. You're 50%, 60% there. Some people take that gamble. I'm not here to judge you. I don't enjoy taking that gamble personally. That's not something that, that, that I would do. I don't feel comfortable. I would much rather be, be conscious. I would rather, much rather be awake and be sharp and be on my feet in case something happens. Not only that way do I feel better for other people, but I feel better for myself. And, and you might be sitting there going, well, Daniel, that's a kind of paranoid way to think, man. You're just waiting for something to happen. It's like, well, not necessarily, right? It, it's where it really comes from. If there's no curiosity to drink, there's no curiosity to uh, do drugs or get high. And it's really about, man, I, I enjoy being conscious. I enjoy being sober. And those things are just, are just an added plus. In case something happens, I'm, I'm happy to be the designated driver. I'm happy to pull out the first aid. I'm happy to help out if there's a self-defense scenario. And that makes me feel good. And that actually, that actually relaxes me more than drinking. Because if something goes down, I trust myself. I know I'm at 100%. And one thing that I always found either incredibly, like stupidly naive, or brave, but probably the first one, is when I see people like just knocked out at a party. Like, not, not like knocked out physically, I just mean like blackout drunk, like just up, like gone. And I'm sitting there going like, whoa, like you're either really naive or super trustful of everyone at this party that no one's gonna mug you or do something to you. Like that's crazy to me. Like I, I wouldn't even pass out drunk in front of like my five, six closest friends. Who knows, they're gonna take pictures of me, man. They're gonna like draw on my face and stuff. I'm not taking chances, let alone a bunch of strangers. I don't know, for me, that's been something like wild. Like to this day, I've seen it multiple times. I can never wrap my head around. I'm like, that's insane, especially if you're a woman. Oh my God. 
I sometimes see these women, man, late night, I was, I'm coming home from the gym or something or from work. They're wearing high heels. They're both drunk. They're stumbling about. And this is a very dark thing to say, but I'm going to say it because I'd rather say it out loud than not say it and see it happen. There's been a handful of times when I've seen a woman or two women barely, like extremely drunk out of their minds, stumbling around. And I think if someone wanted to take advantage of you, if I wanted to take advantage of you, it would be unbelievably easy. It wouldn't even be a struggle. I mean, it's a horrible thing to say, but, but I just kind of want to get you in this picture of my mindset where, where I'm thinking about safety and being all right. Now you're two girls walking home from a party 1.30 at night and you're both drunk in high heels and you're stumbling. If a man wanted to come across, drop you both on the ground, do whatever he wanted to do to you, who's to say he couldn't? And regardless, let's say if you were sober, a man could still do that, but at least I, you can't argue with me that your chances of defending yourself are much higher, right? But again, that's your choice. And if, if you're a woman and, and you enjoy doing that and getting back out drunk at a party full of strangers and you feel comfortable doing that, it, maybe it doesn't matter what I think. All I'm saying is I'm a dude, right? And I do martial arts, yet I, I don't feel comfortable. But that, that's my own world, that's my own perspective. You gotta... Remind yourself what your boundaries are, what your morals are, what you're willing to do, what you're not willing to do. But from my own perspective, man, from the health benefit, if you want to live longer, you know what you got to do? There's a, there's a handful of things that you got to do to live longer, and this has been scientifically proven. One, uh, abstinence of smoking. Do not smoke at all. Nothing. No vapes, no cigarettes, nothing. No weed. If you're going to have alcohol, have low to moderate amounts of alcohol. Have a healthy diet. Work out. And I believe there was one more, but those are the main. Those are the main essential ones. Literally, you can live. If you go to YouTube right now, type in how to live up to 14 years longer. Those are four to the five that I know for a fact that come up. Complete abstinence of any smoking, of any kind. Not just one cigarette a day, not one, complete abstinence. Low to moderate amounts of drinking. Again, what the hell does that mean? I'm assuming maybe like if you have one beer a week, is that low? Like one, maybe two beers a week. Healthy diet. You're eating lots of vegetables. You're eating lots of protein. You're easy on the processed meats and the trans fat and saturated fat. And exercising. Increase your life by up to 14 years. Folks, that's a decade and a half. That's insane. If you can increase your life expectancy by such an easy way, why not do it? I have never gone out of my way to tell someone, hey man, you shouldn't drink. It's unhealthy for you. Hey man, you shouldn't smoke because you could, you're decreasing that 14 year gap that you, can, that you could have to live longer. I would never say that. That's why I'm super against people telling me what to do. There's a respect of boundaries, right? If, if you pray and you're super religious, I will never tell you not to follow your religion. But I expect the vice versa. Don't tell me what to do either, right? There's a, there's a non-spoken agreement between us. Now, if you're a close friend, obviously I'll use discretion. If I feel like you're really doing something that can harm yourself, or like I said, if we're getting pa past the regular beers and the and marijuana in a sense, because it's legal here in Canada, you get to the cocaines and the heroines and the methamphetamine. I think that, yeah, there's definitely a, a line where you gotta step in and go, hey man, this is not okay. Like for your health, this is only gonna lead to something negative. And once you start, it's gonna be extremely hard to stop. So I'd rather you not start at all. But again, 
use your own discretion. If you're someone like me and you're doing this healthy thing, the worst thing that you could do is preach it on everybody. Hey man, you got to do this. Or, like, you know, like the guy who just discovers Jesus. He's trying to put everybody on Jesus. You know, Kevin Hart had a joke about that many years ago, right? It's like, dude, we're happy that you found God, but you don't have to put it on everybody. Keep it for yourself. You're healthy. You're great. You're good. Says the guy who's talking about all this stuff on his podcast. But but you you get what I mean, right? I'm, I'm not saying, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is the right way. So you should do it. I'm just saying, this is the reason why I live the way that I do. And maybe I have alcohol once or twice a year. And this is what I think of that other lifestyle. And the point here isn't don't do that stuff. But the point here is there's repercussions to everything that you do. And know why you're doing what you're doing and stand behind it. If you're going to drink... Stand up tall with your shoulders back and drink. If you're not going to, don't do it. If you're going to do a little bit, do a little bit. But be honest with yourself about what you're doing and why you're doing. And as long as you're honest with you and, and you're happy with what you're doing, man, thumbs up. Who am I or anybody else to tell you otherwise? Unless obviously you look at someone and you go, hey, man, is this unhealthy? Then, you know, we're going to be brutally honest with you. But besides that, just be honest with yourself. Conduct yourself in, in a professional manner. Remember what your morals and ethics are. And... My own recommendation is if you're going before you do anything and, and even guys, just alcohol, just research it. Seriously, a couple of YouTube videos. Hey, what does alcohol do? What's the difference between 5% alcohol concentration in beer and 40% alcohol concentration? What are the long-term effects of alcohol on things like the heart or the brain? What are the long-term effects of weed? These, these are important things to look up. And if you're someone who uses these things frequently or even sporadically, I just think it's good to know. I think it should be common knowledge. Folks, thank you very much for listening. This has been another episode of the Nanotech's Experience. Take care of yourself. Stay safe. And uh, if the weather's nice, go out there and enjoy the weather. If not, stay at home, relax, chill out, watch some TV. Regardless of what you do, take care of yourselves. Bye-bye.